Well, good evening and welcome to this Week 15 edition of Rams All Access with a Super Bowl champion. DeMarco Farr, I am J.B. Long. The Rams getting set for the rematch with the Philadelphia Eagles. It'll have a different look than we were anticipating, DeMarco, as the news of the week is that Carson Wentz, uh, with a back injury, will not go. It'll be their old friend Nick Foles again, who we saw at the end of last year's contest against the Eagles. I, I guess I have to give some of those scouts their due, because they said that Carson Wentz would be the guy that gets beat up the most because of how he plays. And sure enough, uh, your rematch, and he's not there, and he got hurt in the first game. But, you know, it's, it's a benefit. It's great for Rams fans that... One of the better dual-threat quarterbacks isn't going to be under center for the Eagles. But, look, Nick Foles just won a ring. Yep. He's good enough to beat you. He was good enough to beat you last year. So, I mean, this you don't take your foot off the gas just because Wentz is on the shelf. Uh, we will get the opponent's perspective in four-down territory, get the latest on the Wentz injury and what it means for uh, this Sunday's contest at the Coliseum. But I think you and I agree this week and the final three games of this regular season have far more to do about the Rams' identity, reestablishing its reestablishing their momentum going to the postseason. Yeah. Uh, can still clinch a bye, of course. Maybe the road to the Super Bowl runs through New Orleans. Maybe it doesn't. We'll find out for the rest of this month. Just remind guys of where you are and how much you've done. Um, you, you don't want to let go of this opportunity. You're 11 wins in. You're, you're, you're in the playoffs already. You're that much closer to a Lombardi than most teams. And if you're guys like Andrew Whitworth or, or John Sullivan, the older guys, and Dominican Sue, too, I mean, guys that need that championship, I mean, you want to grasp hold of this and not let go. So let Chicago go. Uh, we all know what it is. We're going to talk about that more, but you have to get ready to play your best game. It doesn't matter who's on your schedule. It only matters what you do from this point on. And the Rams, at least according to certain outlets, have the easiest remaining schedule with Philadelphia then at Arizona and home to San Francisco to finish. I heard you talking with uh, Miles Simmons on the Between the Horns podcast this week uh, say that this is a film that if you're the coaching staff, you might not even bother with you know, rehashing with your players. Of course, we'll rehash it mm -hmm. here. But can you explain for our, our audience why you feel that way with respect to the loss in Chicago? What What is the most, the saddest movie you've ever seen? The one where you left the theater just depressed? Absolutely just wrecked. Just because it's at the front of my mind, Road to Perdition. Okay. We, we talked about in Chicago last week. That one was kind of a downer. It stunk, right? That he got killed at the end. He was so close. He was there. Yeah, same thing. I mean, but... That might be a movie I watch again because I like the acting. But just one of those depressing shots. I mean, it's a movie. It's a downer. It's it's not going to do anything positive, in my opinion, watching that tape. And it's happened several times in my career, uh, college or pro, to where we played that bad that we're not even going to watch this. This isn't us. This isn't indicative of anything we're trying to do. Scrap it. Throw it aside. Let's get back to the grass out in the practice field and get back to what we do best. That film ain't going to help us. It helps the Bears. They could watch it with popcorn. I mean, we have to watch it with tissues, so let's just get back to the grass and, and work on football. If the Rams take care of their business here, and even if they get some help from Chicago along the way, they're going to clinch the bye. They would only have to travel to the controlled climate of the Superdome in New Orleans if they were to advance in the postseason. So I think some of the infrastructure things that were exposed in Chicago in sub-freezing temperatures, that's a problem for another day and maybe another season. How would you feel, however, if the Bears came to Los Angeles and let's just say hypothetically played under 60-degree conditions at the Coliseum in oh. the postseason? How would you feel about that matchup, that oh, rematch? This, uh, see, I, I sound like... You know, the, the, the guys, the hype men from the losing boxer. If you change venues, if you put them outdoors in Los Angeles, same quarterback, same team, same everything, there'd be a completely different outcome, in my opinion. The cold did affect. And, you know, uh, and not trying to be super tough guy, I was cold down there. 
And, you know, they gave us heating pads for your gloves and for your shoes. I refused all of it or I just gave it away because I wanted to feel what the players felt. I could hardly think down there. Hmm. I can only imagine what it was like to be trying to play through that. So, But if you match them up again on a neutral field where it was warmer, I, I, I bet the outcome would be completely different. I'm completely confident of that. By the way, if I haven't thanked you ten times over for braving those conditions for us down on the field for four or five hours, thank you again for doing it in a disappointing uh, Sunday night football affair. They get another chance at primetime this weekend against the Eagles. And do you take anything from or do you take solace in the fact that in the Sean McVay era, in two regular seasons, the Rams are undefeated following a regular season loss, and each time they've put together a multiple-game winning streak? Is that indicative of the culture that's been constructed under Sean McVay. Yeah, um, it's only happened how many times now? He's lost seven times in the regular season, Sean McVay. If you count Week 17 against the San Francisco 49 And you and I have sat in on those coaches' meetings, and you see what he looks like when he comes through the door after a loss. The dude can't wait to get back to the meeting room. He can't wait to get his team back on the field. He wants to right those wrongs. Remember how he felt about Minnesota. And what he did to Minnesota when he saw them again. I mean, he, he's competitive. He's exactly what you need in a head coach after a loss or a win. When, when it's a win, it's never good enough. They can always get better. After a loss, believe me, you know things are going to get better just by his own force of will. He's that sort of guy. So, And the team feels the same way. They go hand in hand, but the other part of that statistic that I just mentioned is no team has beat him twice yet. Yeah. I mean, it's a small sample size. We're coming down the home stretch of his second year, but including the division teams, no one has defeated Sean McVay twice. It's funny, man. He's stuck in the sideline, and you know, you, you watch players on the field and how they compete against other NFL players, and you can watch Sean McVay compete against that other coach, too. I mean, when he makes a play, um, I don't know if it's by choice or if he even know, notice, knows that he's doing it, he's going to a place where that other coach can see him. He wants you to know who just scored on you. So he's that sort of guy, and I love that. To that point, round one to Vic Fangio, right? Yeah, I mean, the Bears absolutely. had phenomenal personnel, leveraged the conditions to their favor, but who put more cards on the table if there is a rematch? The Bears' defense or the Rams' offense? Ooh, good question. Um, I, I'd say that's about even. And I was going to say Dan Quinn, too. It's a shame that Atlanta's not good this year, because I'm sure he's looking forward to that rematch, too. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, great question. I mean, the Bears didn't do anything exotic. Uh, they just lined up in a front and coverage and absolutely ate your lunch up front. You know, and there's not much you could do offensively to get going. So, I mean, in a rematch, if Sean McVay is having more success, it'll get more exotic. And I think it puts more pressure on the Bears. But, like you said, in Chicago... They just had it their way. In our next segment, I want to ask you, coming off of that experience where the Bears were able to get home with four and cover behind it, how does it feel to see Fletcher Cox and his companions on the front for the Eagles, which if there is a remaining strength on this Eagles team, I think that's it. We'll get to that in our next segment. want to wrap this one up by kind of giving you the updated conditions in which the Rams can accomplish their goal of clinching the bye. They need a win and a Chicago loss or a tie this week or a Rams tie combined with a Chicago 
loss. They've had a first round by three times in franchise history. The Rams reached the Super Bowl in 99, as Marco knows, in 2001 as the one seed, lost the divisional playoffs in 2003 as the number two seed. So those are their previous instances when they had a first round playoff by. They already had the division in their pocket. That's the next to-do list on their December agenda. We've got a lot still to come on this edition of Rams All Access. We will hear from Sean McVay next. Plus, we'll dig into the Philadelphia Eagles, their injuries, their problems in the running game and so much more glad you're with us on espn la 710 you always use these other examples that you have in sports to be able to learn from yourself and, and they were a team that was really rolling they were they came off a really tough loss against seattle on the road coming into our place where they actually stayed out in california last year and found a way to get a big win and i, w- I want to say that was when they ended up clinching the nfc east against us last year and you know they ended up getting the one seed and, and that was a big deal for them but what you see with good football teams and certainly they're still a very good football team they won a world championship last year is the ability to respond from some adversity. We've done that in small instances based on the way we responded from the New Orleans game, and now here comes another opportunity for us to do it the right way, and uh, it's a challenge that I think we're all ready to accept. Rams head coach Sean McVay from Monday night talking about the Philadelphia Eagles and taking us back in time 12 months ago. They had the West Coast back-to-back. They lost to Seattle, as Sean laid out there. They came to the Coliseum. Uh, somehow lost their MVP candidate at quarterback, and they were able to finish that game with a couple of former Rams, including Nick Foles, making plays down the stretch. And DeMarco, in hindsight, you know that kind of set them on their Super Bowl trajectory. Obviously, you would have preferred to have done it with Carson Wentz, your starting quarterback, but the group that embraced that attitude, that underdog role, I mean, that, that kind of emerged at the Coliseum. You, you don't have rookies anymore at this point. And if somebody goes down and you've got to play a young guy, then it, it's not playing a rookie. Everybody's experienced and ready to go. And sometimes those names will change, but the mission doesn't. Uh, so if you lose people or if you lose guys without losing them, if their play drops off dramatically and some guys need more of a rest than, than you're used to for, for most of the season, then it is what it is. Uh, the, the goal of this football team is to keep moving the football or to stop it. It doesn't matter who's name is on the back of the jersey so sometimes when you do uh, when your superman goes down and you always use these other examples the 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 rest of the town rallies up to defeat the villain it does galvanize you uh it does send you on your way so to speak so maybe you had a taste of that in chicago maybe that you'll get all 53 looking in the mirror you know objectively and realistically what's going to keep us and what's going to get us to where we want to go hmm. You know, I hope at some point in these final three regular season games we get to see all three phases click again because I feel like the defense is playing a different brand of football right now. Granted, there are some extenuating circumstances. That was not a great Detroit offensive team, and the conditions with Trubisky coming off an injury were prime for the mm-hmm. Rams to flex their muscles defensively. But with the keep to lead back, I feel like things are in order defensively with Dante Fowler Jr. settling into being a Ram, impacting games in consecutive weeks. I feel like when the offense finds its rhythm again, the Rams have the potential to catch fire the way that Philadelphia did in that underdog role through the postseason last year. Yeah, quietly, I guess, not not secretly, but quietly, the Rams' defense is improving. They're getting better. I know it's, it's funny to say 194 rushing yards, and this, there's a lot that goes into that. But, you know, when you hold the team out of the end zone, and the only way they can score on you is some fluke tackle eligible that you should have covered anyway, but they have to trick you to score. That means you are getting better. Uh, that means you're, you're playing good enough football to win. And no shock that all of a sudden you start taking the ball away as soon as Tlaib steps on the field. 
full time. Hmm. Uh, so if you could find a way to get the offense going based on what they've done in Chicago or what they were doing in Chicago, like I said, play that in a neutral field. I think that game is completely different. I think the takeaway the Rams, uh, the balls that the, the Rams took away from the Bears turn into scores and not just takeaways back the other way. Yeah, the Rams are allowing 13.4 points per game in the five contests that Aqib Tlaib has played in this season, 30.8 in the eight games he's missed. Now, the opponent, the condition, the circumstances play a big role in that, but I don't think that discrepancy can be ignored. Um, I also think that you know there's other parts of this defense that deserve a lot of credit. Um, the safety level continues to shine. Uh, John Johnson, second leading tackler, another pick. LaMarcus Joyner makes some great plays in space uh, against the running game and controlling a running quarterback. So I think there's a lot of good things to build off of, e- even in a disappointing game in Chicago in Week 14. You know, the, the credit we gave Brandon Cooks way back in the day, or early in the season for the routes that he runs, where he just puts defenders in bad situations. You can do the same with LaMarcus Joyner on his angles to the football. They're letter perfect. Uh, not only is he getting to the football, I mean, he's aggressive. He's great at what he does, but his hat is always on the right side of the ball. That's the stuff that I think we miss. Hmm. And he close, he always closes the gate in front of the ball carrier. That's textbook football being done at its highest level. So when I look at 194 rushing yards, I think without him and John Johnson, you might have doubled that. How about the one where Tariq Cohen sprints through the right side, and he's got him beat to the outside, yeah. and LaMarcus turns and runs, like literally turns and runs and angles him out, I think it was about the 10-yard line. When, when he went through that hole, I thought that was good night. Right. I, I thought that was six. And somehow LaMarcus was able to recover to angle that out of bounds. Um, you know, as I watch back some of that film, I'm sure you did the same. I think the Bears did as good a job as anyone we've seen this year at controlling the force that is Aaron Donald, sliding protection his way, sometimes triple teaming him. I get the sense somebody else has to win in December and January. Someone else in that pass rush has to win because if teams haven't committed to that approach at this point, they're going to from this point forward. You're a, you're a hoop guy. You you've, you definitely saw it with Kobe when they would just run three guys at him and leave people open at the three-point line. Somebody else has to beat us. And, and say, go ahead. We'll, we'll live and die with that shot and see what you can do. Sometimes they won, sometimes they did not. But when they're sending that hard of a slide at Donald, and it was obvious, the center is pointing right at him. I'm coming to you. I'm telling you. They're challenging everyone else on the Rams defensive line or whatever to beat the other guys one-on-one. You're going to have to get pressure from here because it's not going to come from there. Fowler's been good enough the last couple of weeks, don't you think? Oh, yeah, he makes plays. I mean, he he does. He makes plays. Uh, Those early runs by Trubitsky, I mean, you just can't leave the A-gap open. You just can't void your gap. Um, You've got to close the gate. You've got to play it technically sound. It's like, do you not know who's at quarterback right now? Hmm. Uh, The guy would rather run than throw it. So don't give him a lane. And finally, after a few runs... You closed it down and you shut down those run lanes, and then they went at you with the RPO. So I understand the need to want to make plays, but you just can't void the integrity of the defense, you know, rushing with your hair on fire against running quarterbacks. Speaking of RPOs, which you mentioned there, the similarities exist between what they'll see in the Eagles this week, what they saw last week in Chicago, what they saw from Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, maybe to not uh, the extent as if Carson Wentz were healthy, but Sean McVay observed that in terms of preparing defensively for this week, it all kind of comes off the same tree. 
Jules? Yeah, absolutely. Really, in Kansas City within the last couple of weeks, sure. too. You know, you're all looking at kind of under Coach Reed's tutelage, um, you know, with, with Coach Peterson's history with him, and then obviously with Coach Nagy. So mm-hmm. there is a lot of carryover when you just look at foundationally, um, you know, what is kind of their, their system and their foundation of what their offensive system is predicated on, or what are some of the things that they're doing um, that you're seeing that are some of the new trends specific to the systems that, that you know, really implement those. So uh, it should be something that, you know, we'll have some uh, ability to translate from week to week, but each week presents a new challenge. And, you know, certainly some of the things that, that you know, Coach Peterson and, and the Eagles do offensively with, with Wentz leading the way is a little bit different than what we've seen from Trubisky. Mm-hmm. You know, look, this week with Foles, if it's not Carson Wentz, let's just be honest, jump the back. You know, I, I would live with Nick Foles trying to beat me running to the perimeter. Uh, baby giraffe, I used to call him, the way he runs. So I, I would live with him. If he pulls it out and tries to run, then so be it. Now, he's smart with it, and you know they're only going to call it when they need a few yards where it puts that whatever end they're optioning at, at, a, at a disadvantage, where if you crash down against the run, that quarterback has a free run to the first down. So you're going to see the same stuff, just not called in the same part of the field. So it, it's no different than what you've been practicing against on defense for the last month and a half. You know, at the tailback position, you talk about jumping the back for Philadelphia. Jay Ajayi uh, on injured reserve with the torn ACL. Just this week, Corey Clement hit IR as well, a big part of last year's postseason run. Uh, Josh Adams, the rookie out of Notre Dame, has been getting the bulk of the carries. Darren Sproles is back, so you'll see a combination of Adams and Sproles. And they also added Boston Scott, signing him from the Saints practice squad this week. All right, we spent the majority of segment number two uh, talking about the defense for the Los Angeles Rams, one of the silver linings coming out of Chicago. We'll flip it back to the offensive side of the football for segment number three next. Two issues that were uh, of interest to Rams fans this week. What's going on with the early timeout usage, especially burning them on offense for the Rams? And where did the jet sweeps go? Why did it seem like uh, Sean McVay's offense got away from their bread and butter which includes getting it to Todd Gurley in Chicago. We'll address two of those as we spin it forward to the Philadelphia Eagles, another primetime contest, this one at the Coliseum on ESPN LA 710. Welcome back to Rams All Access with DeMarco Farr. I am JB Long. Coming up in our next segment, we go inside opponent's territory, four-down territory with a look at the latest from the Eagles. We're going to talk a little bit more about the uh, stagnant Rams offense in the loss to the Chicago Bears. And DeMarco, I don't know about you, but I heard a lot about uh, two specific issues uh, getting the ball to Todd Gurley and the lack of kind of the jet sweep usage in in the offensive game plan and then why do the Rams continue to burn timeouts early in halves and especially on offense in a game where it was abundantly clear that those were going to be a vital necessity down the stretch right yeah I mean I'm not in the headset I, I don't know why uh, that you have to burn timeouts either for time or maybe the the play uh, didn't get called correctly, what have you. I don't know. But, you know, I saw Mike Martz go through this uh, way back when he took over as head coach. And it just seems like uh, with aggressive coaches like him and McVay, they don't want to give up on possessions no matter what. So they want to save it. That They'd rather burn the time out and save the possession because they think that's all that's important. And for the most part, they are right. But, you know, I think veteran head coaches, if it's not there, they would be reluctant to burn those timeouts. They would save them. They understand how valuable they are. And even if you have to lose a down or a possession, they can fix it on the sideline and keep that timeout uh, down the stretch. You know, it's just one of those things. I mean, look, I, I think his best attribute is how aggressive he is. And I think his worst enemy is how aggressive he is. Sometimes you're going to wind up burning timeouts because he just doesn't want to lose possession or lose a play. Every play to him is a scoring play. 
uh, like so much else, coming off of the loss to Chicago, he was willing to fall on this sword. And here's what he had to say about his current timeout usage and specifically how it went in Chicago at Soldier Field. It was my fault. You know, you get you get some different things in. You got some word of your play calls. It's a little bit muffled based on the noise and the different elements with the crowd noise. And then when you're operating against the play clock, uh, you know, I just really didn't give us enough time. Specifically, the the second half is where you really need them based on not knowing how it's going to play out at the end of the game. So uh, the first half, maybe you make some decisions, but but I think it's all based on the flow of the game. And uh, you know, you'd prefer not to have to utilize them in some of the situations that we have. But for us, it's just about what do we deem the most important at that time? And um, that was what happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember uh, as a defender, um, this is back, I, I can't even remember when, but the, the calls kept coming in late, and they were the wordiest calls that we had. So we actually shut down the play caller for a while. Until you guys get your act together on the sideline, because we're late getting lined up every single play, because you guys are sending this stuff in so late, and it's so long. We can't possibly get this communicated. Hmm. So we're just going to shut you down until you figure it out. Now, they're screaming. They're mad at us, and we get to the sideline. Hey, call what we call. Well, look, get it in faster. They know. We're trying to scramble just to get lined up and figure out where the responsibilities are, and they're snapping the ball. So, you know, as coaches, sometimes you want to always call or make the best call for every sort of situation, and sometimes you forget about the play clock. So, like he says, he has to be better. And if there's a problem spitting it back out from Jared, then he's got to be better. But no matter what, you can't burn timeouts when, when you don't need to. Hmm. Speaking of Jared, where are you at with the QB1 coming off of consecutive weeks of poor performance, including a career-high four interceptions in the Chicago cold? I, I want to see smoke this Sunday. I want to see him light it up. You know, look, he's a California kid that's wearing number 16. We know what that's all about. You know, we know who his... His idols are. So I want to see that guy, the body control, the, the you can roll him left, roll him right. I want to see the guy that scrambles out of trouble, uh, the guy that never looks like there's a problem. If, even if you're in, you're backed up, uh, that's the guy I want to see come out. So, you know, look, it's cold. I, I think we, we figured out that it's going to be tough for Jared Goff to function in the cold. I was talking to a coach after the Chicago Bears, Bears games. Uh, right after in the in the tunnel that said he was a Pac-12 coach or Pac-10 coach that hated going to the Cotton Bowl for the very same reason. Hmm. You know his quarterbacks have never played below sixty degrees, and we got to go there and play in twenty degrees. It, it just he, he acts like he's never seen it before. So that was his first time through it. There's going to be others eventually. He's going to get better at it. But as of right now, I think the cold is getting him. I think Sean McVay and the Rams' counterpoint would be, well, look what we did in Denver. I mean, it wasn't his most accurate game. Maybe that played into it. But we were able to establish a downhill running physical presence against a defense that has some playmakers, that has some rushers. So why weren't they able to duplicate that against the Bears? Why did Gurley only have six attempts and six yards through three quarters? Uh, I, I think Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks are a little bit different than Demata Petko and whoever else was up there. I can't remember the other guy. Uh, but they were they were older guys that were just about past it. These guys are hungry. They yeah. are monsters of the midway. So if you really want to know why you couldn't run the football or get anything going, look at those two guys and what they were doing to the Rams' offensive line. Yeah. It was just it's it was strange it lacked some of the creativity, some of the dynamism that it, that it traditionally does. I think it was the Houston game. You know, Robert scored the deep touchdown, but then he also had kind of that creative loop back screen. You know, that for some reason that kind of is sticking to my mind in terms of 
I think that'll come back this weekend. I, I think yeah. you will see a dynamic game plan. I think you will see Jared Goff sling it. I think you will see Todd Gurley get his touches, you know, in both phases of that offense. Uh, Denny Green told me there's not much difference between a 10 and 16, 10 and 6 team and a 6 and 10 team. And go back to the screen that was missed when, I mean, it was there. Jared rushed it. It, with just, good reason. Yeah, with good reason, but you just couldn't complete a simple screen that was there. So if you do, big play. Probably changes the game. Maybe even scores. That's Todd Gurley, one of the best. Uh, but if you don't, it's incomplete. You wind up putting, it, putting the ball back to them. So there's not that much different. It's just can you make those little plays when they're there? The other peculiar thing was the lack of the jet sweeps that have kind of defined the 2018 Rams offensively. Coming into that game, they had run more. 46 more, in fact, than any other team in the National Football League. They were absent. I wonder why. My guess, I mean, I, I don't think any coach is afraid to call any play, and definitely not Sean McVay. The guy is ultra-aggressive. But, I mean, I saw a truck on the way in. It said it was one of those dump trucks. It said passer side on the left side where the driver can see you. The other side said suicide. I mean, who wants to run a jet sweep into into Khalil Mack? Yep. Who wants to run a jet sweep into those guys when they're actually looking for it and playing it about as well as anybody else in the National Football League? Could the same be said of the screen game? I mean, you mentioned the one that they attempted, kind of went away from it from there. But, I mean, the speed, the ability to sniff those out, is that unique to Chicago and what they presented defensively as well? I think so. And you're only going to get, you're, you're only going to get a, a limited amount of times to really fool them to where you – bait them towards Jared to where you can get the ball out. And like you said, he barely got it out. They were almost there. But when it does and you actually outflank them, you have to catch them and make them pay. If not, it's just going to send them through the roof. Yeah, I'm reminded this week just to kind of wrap up this segment about how many people have talked about winning with all 11 on offense and protecting with all 11 on offense. Andrew Whitworth took full accountability for the pass protection and everything else. Um, but the little things – including a receiver's ability to separate on his break, um, not having someone like Cooper Cup. All, all these things kind of factor in when you're playing a great team that's capable of exposing some of your deficiencies in those conditions. If Jared doesn't throw his best ball in the cold, that's accentuated when you're playing one of the best secondaries and maybe the best defensive front in all professional football. It's uh, it's it's high-level carnival, whatever, yeah. you know, the, the football toss. You only have so much room to get that little football in to win the, you know, the stuffed animal. That's like Chicago. That's what Atlanta did to you in the playoffs. I mean, what they didn't do was beat themselves. They forced you to make plays against them and bet that you couldn't. And for the most part, the Bears were right on game day. And I think that's where Rams fans understandably are saying, well, if we're going to be playing a one-possession game or a nine-point game, and, and it feels that way from the jump, everyone gets the sense that, hey, Trubisky and the Bears, they're not going to get to 30. Then why wouldn't we be a little bit more stubborn running Gurley into loaded boxes or getting him out on the perimeter? And if we go three and out with three straight run plays or you know two runs in a screen, so be it. Like, we'll right. play the punting game. We have one of the best punters in football. Let's play a one-possession game and see who blinks first. I, I think that's the type of game. That's the complexion of the game you were in. You know, and, and maybe. I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Maybe that's probably how you combat that. But, I mean, we're talking about an offense and a head coach that scores 30 points a game, you know, since he took over. So he's not going to change that much. Hell, his personnel group doesn't change, and he still scores. So... It, it doesn't surprise me that he's not going to back off what he does. Yeah. All right, four down territory is coming up next. We'll get the latest on the Eagles. Have they given up on their playoff hopes? Plus, the latest on the quarterback injury. That's on the other side. You're listening to Rams All Access, and this is ESPN LA 7. 
We continue with Rams All Access, previewing the matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles, and time now for Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. Uh, Tim McManus covers the Eagles for ESPN, and Tim, if we can start by just getting the latest on quarterback Carson Wentz. Uh, He has a uh, fractured vertebrae, according to a report by ESPN's Adam Schefter, and is not expected to play Sunday against the Rams, and, and obviously, given how careful the Eagles want to be uh, with their franchise quarterback. There's a chance that he gets shut down for the season. That uh, word hasn't come down officially yet, but um, but you, you should expect Nick Foles under center on Sunday. You know, I know a lot of Eagles fans have wanted more from the running game and maybe more of a commitment to the running game. Is the silver lining in all this, Tim, that maybe they do come out and try and run the ball downhill against the Rams defense that has had trouble stopping the run? That's certainly a possibility, and it's been noted to the defensive line that, you know, or to the offensive line that even though the Rams' uh, defensive front is so good that, that teams have been able to, to run on them. And, and certainly that's been the right recipe for the Eagles this season. Uh, if they get 27 plus carries, uh, they are 6 and 0, and they're 0 and 7 when it dips underneath that. Um, and they've played a lot of close games, so it's not like we're talking about really skewed numbers here. So certainly I think that would be a, a wise approach, uh, especially that it's going to be Foles making the start instead of Wentz. You know, I take a look at this Eagles secondary, and if the Rams are able to get their pass in attack going again, it seems they're a bit shorthanded, certainly more than the last time we've seen them. What's going on in the back end for Philadelphia, and do they have enough to match Jared Goff and Sean McVay? Yeah, you're putting it nicely there. I mean, they've been totally ravaged in a defensive secondary. Really, the only guy that's left standing from the original unit is safety Malcolm Jenkins but everybody else around him has uh, ended up on IR, essentially. And so they're, they're working with the patch, patchwork uh, group. And, you know, Sidney Jones is somebody that's been kind of touch and go and may, may be able to go, maybe not. But the bottom line is that they, they have been decimated. And so if the defensive front can't get pressure on Jared Goff, I think it's going to be a long day for, for that group. All right, we continue with Four Down Territory. One more question for Tim McManus, who covers uh, the Eagles for ESPN. And one quotation really caught my eye after the game in Dallas. Lane Johnson, the tackle, said, quote, our playoff chances are pretty much done. That one surprised me. Mathematically, they're not out of it. What do you think the motivation of this group is, knowing that their chances are slim and now they're without Wentz? And that was certainly, he was feeling the sting of that loss and uh, lost opportunity there by, by falling to the Cowboys. But I think that uh, when you look at especially what's unfolding in the wild card picture, the Eagles actually still are in it. Nobody really wants to grab that sixth and final wild card spot. Mathematically, according to ESPN FPI, they have a 9% chance of making the playoffs. It's certainly slim with games against the Rams, who obviously are very good, and the Texans following that for the Eagles. But, uh, you know, they're trying to see if maybe Foles can lead them on another magic carpet ride like he did last year. Underdog mentality, nobody believing in us, everybody's counting us out, and they made a run last time, and they're trying to see if they can do it again. It's a prideful group, one that, as we know, is coming off a Super Bowl championship and would like nothing better than to try to get a little run going, starting with a, a win in L.A. Oh, that's really well said, Tim. Thank you for your perspective from Philadelphia. We look forward to seeing you this weekend at the Coliseum. All right, likewise. Thanks for having me. Continuing with a national champion and a Super Bowl champion, DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. Uh, the Eagles 1-5 against teams entering games with winning records this season. And there have only been 10 defending Super Bowl champs, DeMarco, who finished the following year with a non-winning record. The Ravens in 2013 were the last to do it. 
a loss this weekend in L.A., and Philly will become the next and the 11th. You've talked numerous times this season when we've watched Philadelphia from afar about the Super Bowl hangover. Is that what they're experiencing here in 2018? Uh, I mean, hard to tell if I'm not, if you're not in uniform, but it's the toughest thing in the world, JB. Number one was winning the Super Bowl. The second might even be tougher than the first was defending it because you get everybody's best shot and all your games are on prime time. And it seems like your injuries just did not heal. And next thing you know, you're back in training camp. So it is what it is. Um, to come out of that year with a winning record or to even be back in contention, is wow. They're amazing. But I mean, I, I think every team coming off a Super Bowl run is going to struggle in, in some regards. Uh, the the whole, entire team dynamic is going to be different uh, following that Super Bowl. But no one wants to be that group that has a losing record following a, a Super Bowl championship. So they know what's at stake and they can read the papers just like we can. So expect the Eagles to look like the Eagles you saw in the Super Bowl. And really, like they did coming into Dallas. I mean, they were starting to catch a little bit of fire. Granted, they're not going to have Carson Wentz now. Fine. But, I mean, they're 6-7 and seven following that overtime loss in Dallas. They recovered a fumble on the opening kick, had mm-hmm. it taken away because the, the replay didn't see an immediate recovery. There was kind of a phantom pass interference call late in regulation. I mean, they very easily with the difference of one or two video replay reviews, could be 7-6 and six and coming off a win in Dallas against maybe the hottest team in the NFC, the Cowboys. True. You, you know what I see when I watch their defense play? I mean, I love watching Chris Long play. Friend, fun. Michael Bennett is always interesting. Like you told me on the plane, he's wearing even less now than he did in Seattle, which I, is impossible. <laughs> I mean, he, he's always had the jersey rolled up under the shoulder pads. It looks like he's wearing... A tank top. Yes, that should be illegal. But, I mean, who's going to tell him he can't play like that? But, I mean, the one thing I do notice when you watch their defense is they get all 11 to the football. No matter where it is. Big play. Even if they score, you'll see nine guys chasing that guy to the end zone. Hmm. They are prideful. Uh, they know what it takes to win games. They've seen it. They've done it. So, if you're not firing on all cylinders, they will give you a four-quarter battle like you've never seen. What about the point uh, I made there in four-down territory uh, where – the change at quarterback almost might dictate a different approach that's not favorable for the Rams. And what I mean by that is Los Angeles over the last five games has allowed 162 rushing yards per contest and nearly five and a half yards per carry. If the Eagles come in saying, look, we're not going to put it in the hands of Foles, we're going to make the Rams tackle us for four quarters, we already know that's the formula for beating Sean McVay. Yeah, we will rally around Kurt Warner. We'll play good football. What The other part of that that wasn't publicized is we were going to run the hell out of Marshall and not have Kurt throw it. And then Kurt wound up you know, being the Hall of Famer. But the, the, the game plan is, is the same for every team that's, that loses your starter. You're going to rally around that guy, run the football, and play defense and play field position. Punt the football if you have to and make them go 80 yards every single drive to score points on you. It's no shock. It's no secret. And they're going to try like hell to take the ball away, to steal possession. You know, the Philadelphia press corps literally poses these statistics to the players and the coaches of the Eagles this week, and almost to a man they're saying, well, that doesn't make sense. I mean, we look at the personnel that they have on defense. We look at their track record. We look at what they're doing to opposing offenses this year. That can't possibly be right that seven consecutive opponents have rushed for 98 yards or more against them. They can't figure it. Can you? No. <laughs> why is this why is this still an issue for elite run stuffers historically like Brockers, like Sue, like Aaron Donald, like the speedy linebackers and the safeties behind them? It's rough. Uh you know, to me I think it's the RPOs and they 
you know, if you look at the defense as a whole and you, you talk about pass defense, well, if you have Peters and Tlaib, well, and LaMarcus Joyner and John Johnson, well, where's the logical place to attack? Probably those linebackers. Tight ends have been a problem. So if you look at the front seven and you see Brockers, Sue, Donald, well, where's the most reasonable place to attack? Those outside linebackers. So all those RPOs, they, they force the outside linebacker to make a choice, either crash down, tackle the back, or have to pull it out and, and, and play bootleg at the same time. So they're playing football against those two guys time and time again. And uh, if they make the play, then so be it. But for the most part, it can be four or five yards per carry, and they'll just keep you on the field with it. So it's just been tough how they've been attacking. But everyone knew coming into this season, probably those guys will be put on front street. Hmm. You mentioned attacking with tight ends there, opposing offenses. Uh, this is a tough week in that regard with Zach Ertz on a prolific pace and Dallas Goddard, the uh, rookie, playing some good football as well. Any early indication, any guess as to how the Rams will match up defensively when you have a team that has two really good tight end threats? Last uh, last week and last year against the Eagles, it was Trey Burton, right? Uh, they, they've kind of filled that void, and they've got Ertz going really well too. It's a choice. Um, remember, when you have a tight end that's not a part of your pass protection, you really unleash Donald because now it's just five on four up front. That tight end's out in the route, and most of, most of the time the quarterback's going to be looking to him. So uh, you can get the ball. Chances are that guy's going to be open, or you're going to have success down the middle. But you are going to pay a price for that. I bet you'll see more of 99 this week. The more you see of Ertz, the more you see 99 going after the quarterback. Interesting. All right, one more segment to come on this edition of Rams All Access, previewing Week 15. Uh, the Saints, the only other two loss in the NFC. They are now in control of their uh, destiny in terms of the one seed. We'll ask DeMarco if he thinks they will stumble down the stretch. And the Bears, the only other four loss. They finish Green Bay at San Francisco at Minnesota. We'll talk a little bit of the NFC playoff picture to finish. You're listening to ESPN LA 7. All right, great to spend some time with you, DeMarco. Midweek as we anticipate uh, the stretch run for the Los Angeles Rams coming off their second loss of the season, trying to bounce back against the Philadelphia Eagles. They will finish with a road trip to Arizona and then home to San Francisco. You know, across the NFC, it really boils down to what the Saints and the Bears are doing opposite the Rams. Uh, the Saints, the only other two loss in the NFC, they finish at Carolina, home to Pittsburgh, and then home to Carolina. Uh, those are two of the coldest teams mm-hmm. right now in the entire National Football League. That was supposed to be a brutal gauntlet to finish. Now Carolina and Pittsburgh really struggling. Yeah, uh, I can't figure out Pittsburgh at all. Um, it, it seems like there's more drama. They're, they're like the new Dallas Cowboys, right? I mean, they're headline, headline-a-day football team, and it's all for the wrong reason. So I, I don't know what to make of them. But, you know, I would worry about Chicago. If they can continue what we saw on Sunday night, they're going to be a problem for anyone, anybody's offense, if you can just continue to eat five with four like they did against the Rams. And you always talk about Seattle. We always talk about Seattle. Um, as as long as Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll are together and Pete Carroll can coach and just keeps you know plugging in that enthusiasm and Russell Wilson continues to get better, they're always going to be an issue when it turns December, around January. They're going to be in the mix, in the hunt, and that's the last team you want to draw. I mean, Seattle's in. They're, yeah. they're, they're going to be the five. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Who's the six in the NFC right now is the question. Ooh. And that's, that's a tough picture to sift through. Yeah. Um, I, I, I made a little gentleman's wager with uh, Jake McQuaid. He's an Ohio State guy. I'm a Husky, of course. So I said, what do we have on the, on the Rose Bowl? And the first thing I said to get it started was, I said, I bet the committee – you know, hoses you guys. And he goes, Hey, look, if you win all your games, you don't have to worry about it. 
Same thing I would say to the Rams right now. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing in the NFC. Focus on you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you have to keep winning. Forget who's going to be the other seeds. You better make sure your seed is sound right now. A happy birthday to Jake McQu- McQuaid last week. Happy 37th uh, to Andrew Whitworth this week. Um, they don't have to worry about what the other teams are doing. We can. And the Bears finish yeah. uh, Green Bay at the 49ers at Minnesota. Woo. And effectively, the, the magic number is two between them and the Rams. Any combination of Rams wins and Bears losses should put the Rams no worse than the two seed, regardless of what New Orleans does. Give me that final three again uh, for the Bears. Green Bay. I, I say that's a win. At San Francisco. Definitely. At Minnesota. Didn't Minnesota just fire DeFlippo? And lost in Seattle. But I will say... The Vikings still very much in the position, in the picture for that sixth and final playoff spot. Right. So they could be a very motivated group on their home field in Week 17. I mean, that could be a stroke of genius by by Zimmer. I mean, the fastest way to get someone's attention is to to fire somebody. Well, the same maybe for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, right? I mean, they lose to Arizona. They make the coaching change. What do you call it? The the dead cat bounce or whatever. I mean, do they kind of come on down the stretch? I just don't know how good they are outside of Aaron Rodgers. You know, I mean, he's he's a special player, and I, I think there's some turmoil there. So, who knows? We'll we'll see what they bring. But I mean, if Chicago brings that same intensity, everybody you just mentioned will probably lose to them. Well, let me let me. We've been dancing around the issue. Let me just present it to you straight on. Do you think the Rams will have to go through New Orleans to get to the Super Bowl? Could be. Um, I hope not. You know, I I can't remember the last time I left New Orleans at, uh, victorious. Oh, Either as a player or... That's a house of horrors for you, I know. Yeah. When's the last time you've done it? Never. Never, right. I mean, it's it's been... It's rough. It's a tough place to play. It's it's a historic rival. Um, They know how to hate on Rams fans when they're there. So it's a really tough place to play. Plus, you have to play Peyton and Breeze there. So if I can avoid going to their gym to play basketball, I will. Hmm. Yeah, it's a tough uh, place to go, although I think at this point, even if it turned out that way, the Rams would gladly take that problem when it arrives, right? If you were to get the bye, win a home playoff game in the divisional round, go to New Orleans for an NFC Championship game, that would be a welcome problem. No doubt. I, You know, I don't think he'll ever say it publicly, but I bet Sean McVay wants to go back there. He, I mean, he's at least casting that way inside yeah. his building, right? If it comes to that, they're <laughs> going to relish that opportunity for sure. Yes, I bet if he had his way, I bet he would... He would choose to go back there to right that wrong. I mean, still got to get through Cam Newton twice and Ben Roethlisberger yeah. once. And, and, and again, those are supremely motivated teams. If there's any juice left inside those buildings, those franchises, now is the time. Because they've fallen on hard times. This is the time to get, what do you call that, the, the last lap kick. Uh, this is all about want to now. Um, the technique and the training, all that's out the window. This is just about who wants it more from this point on. Well, I don't know about you, but anytime, you know, there's a losing week or a tough week, it seems like the next week crawls. Like it's, it's taking forever for Sunday to get here. And the fact that it's in primetime doesn't help. Right. But I'm very much looking forward to, as I'm sure the Rams are, since it matters so much more to them, getting that taste out of their mouth and reestablishing the fact that, look, we're a top three scoring team. We're an 11 and two team. Every single one of us, including those in our fan base, would have signed up to be at this point at this stage of the year. I just, you know, I hope I, I wouldn't want to be the guy that holds the team up right before they get announced. I mean, on Sunday night, when they're ready to go, they're bouncing up and down. They want to take the field, and there's, you're saying, "Hold up, wait a minute, we have to wait for the announcements." I hope they run that guy over. Yeah, that's how much you should want to get back to the field.
Uh, Philadelphia Eagles trying to be the first franchise to defeat Sean McVay twice. Uh, back end of his second campaign, the Rams looking to continue their trend of responding to every regular season meaningful loss in the McVay era with a multiple game winning streak. Three to go. We'll see you at the Coliseum or we will speak to you on ESPN LA 710 with pregame coverage starting three hours before kick Sunday night football, Eagles and Rams. Marco, have a great rest of your week. Thank you, sir. You too.